Hey companions, uh, this is Peter. And this is Tom. And this is a pre-recorded episode from our former feed, TV Ape My Brain. So uh, this episode is still there, but we decided to put these on Cobra Kai Companion, so that way you guys get to hear all the stuff that we have done previously. Yes, basically it's the same uh, Tom and Peter, same show, just a little bit more directly uh, fed to you. And here it is. Hi, this is Rose Bianco, and I am Yaya on Cobra Kai, la abuela de Miggy, tan lindo ese niño, y estoy hablando en el podcast TV Ate My Brain, <laughs> bien, bien, funny, eh, uh, uh, <laughs> ahora voy a tomarme un poco de la mota, adiós. Hey, this is Tom, and you're listening to TV Ate My Brain, uh, the Cobra Kai edition. Uh, with me, as always, is my ho- co-host, Peter. Hello, I am Peter, also host of Postalgic. Yes, and uh, I am also the host of a little show called Jake and Tom Conquer the Group. And uh, what have we got here today, Peter? We have a very fun interview with one Rose Bianco, who played Yaya, uh, AKA, well, she's Rosa, or yeah, I think she's Rosa, but we know her as Yaya. I don't even think she's ever called by her uh, first I, name, I don't really. think she is. Yeah. So just a fun interview because she's done so much. And I, I was surprised myself to find out a lot of the work that she has done previously. Absolutely. Uh, and what she's continuing to do. I mean, her career is really starting to take off. Yeah. And you know what was cool is finding out that her son is a sort of podcaster as well. Yes, yes. I think he's more of a YouTuber, if I'm not mistaken, but that's really cool. So she has a little bit of insight in, into what you and I do. So that was really nice. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So uh, here it is. Hello, Miss Bianco. Hello. Hi, how are you this morning? I'm good. I'm having a great morning. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Tom, uh, we got Miss Bianco on the call here. Excellent. It's good to meet you, ma'am. Hi. Nice to virtually sort of meet you as well. <laughs> <laughs> and just to kind of throw out this little nugget, we just um, finished up with your on-screen daughter, Vanessa. Cool. She told me. Yeah. Oh, oh, you guys saw Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, there we go. <laughs> that's amazing. Okay. Um, that's, that's really cool that you guys still uh, communicate with each other. Oh, my gosh. Yes. She was great. You know, it helps to have good chemistry with the people you're working with, particularly the people who are supposed to be your family. Mm-hmm. Vanessa's so down to earth and cool and just a great person, a really sweet person. Um, that's why she comes across so kind like that, like the really great earth mother type. Cause she sort of is like that, even though she's gorgeous and a model and everything, she's real, really a sweet person. I'm so glad that I got to work with her. Hey, it almost sounds like you sat in our, our conversation with her. <laughs> I know. Because, I mean, she had oh, no. nothing but high praise for you. Yeah. Ah, that's nice. No, she told me yesterday. She said, hey, did you um, did you get contacted by um, TV Ate My Brain? And I said, yeah, yeah. I, I reached out to the producer. I said, um, is this okay to do? And he's like, definitely. Go for it. Oh, awesome. Was it, was it Mr. Hurwitz by chance? Yes. 
Oh, wow. That's the, that's the one who everyone keeps um, asking, and that's extremely cool because he's kind of been communicating with us as, as well behind the scenes, and that's super awesome. And it, it's just been amazing how much encouragement we've been getting from everybody associated with this show because yeah. I've been a podcaster for, God, five years, and I've uh, reached out to uh, a number of people in various industries, and I don't think I've ever had this much interaction with any one project before none none at all so we've been very blessed to have everybody say yes yes absolutely that is the correct phrase we are very blessed you sound like you're from the south (laughs) um oh uh i live in the south that's a thing to say that you're blessed i've kind of well i'm originally from the south but i grew up in the pacific northwest in portland um i was from Mm -hmm. uh, corpus christi texas oh okay very cool very south that's a nice uh, (laughs) town yeah uh, yeah. I, I'm actually from up north. I'm from Chicago, but I've been oh. living in Atlanta for quite a while. Okay, oh, okay. yeah. I live uh, just north of uh, Flint, Michigan. I like to say I live in the crossfire between Flint and Saginaw, <laughs> uh, but I do make frequent visits out to Chicago. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I definitely want to get into um, some more of uh, you as, as as an actor or even a show person, I, I, I guess. It, it seems like you've been doing things for a really long time. And on your website, I saw something about you as a go-go dancer. Is that something you can talk about? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's funny. I uh, did that a long time ago. I was with a, a theater group in San Francisco called Lee Nicolette's. And it was an all-women's theater group that did um, really silly, campy, campy stuff. So we all had like glitter on our eyes and we wore, you know, wigs and eyeliner and it's very feminist. And um, so that was a really great group. It was very, a lot of empowerment, self-empowerment. It was great to work with women um, collaboratively without any kind of men around telling us what to do. It was, was, uh, this is like the early 80s and then uh, we went to New York to do a show and I I did a show for the gosh what's the name of it it was like this big band orchestra that was performing at Danceteria and uh, Monica and I were the go-go dancers for them and yeah that was me then back then back then when I was young there's not much to say about that no it so what was this that was that in New York that was in New York at Danceteria. That was a big uh, place. That was, um, I was only in New York during that time just for that show. So we were only there for a couple of months. I see. And it was very cool. I mean, we lived in a loft, all of us uh, from the Nicolettes, and we were performing at the West Best Theater, but then we performed at Danceteria. We performed at another place too. And it was a lot of a big underground. At that show... Madonna performed. Uh, oh, wow. It was unknown. Yes. So it was very cool and underground. When did you get into acting? Um, when I was 18 or 17, really. And I was going to go to law school or, you know, pre-law at university. But then I discovered theater because a friend of mine was taking a theater games class and I went with her. And I realized, oh, my gosh, this is really what I want to do. So... I ended up changing my major, and I started working at a theater nearby, at the Victory Gardens Theater, which is in Chicago still. Um, And I got into a show there for about seven months. And while I was in college, 
so that kind of cemented like my love of theater and acting. I was studying acting with Ted List. So I did a lot of all that studying. What what a new actor does, which is they're taking acting classes, they're studying theater at school, they're doing shows. That was all my life for all that period. Do you have a preference uh, between stage and also uh, behind the camera or on camera? Um, I don't do stage anymore. Well, first of all, I stopped acting for many years because I got married and had kids and I was raising my kids. And when you're with, and I did mostly theater at that time, I couldn't get uh, traction in film and TV, but that takes up a whole lot of time. And, and I just needed to be a, a mom. I wasn't at at home mom. I worked, but it was just too difficult to try and keep acting while raising my kids. So I only got back into the scene about 10 years ago. So since I've been back into acting in Atlanta, my husband got a job here, which is why we moved here. Um, Mostly I do TV and film because uh, I'm not like a well-known quantity for the equity theater here, which is like the union theater. And they pay and they have understudies for you and all that sort of thing. I'm not in equity anymore. So uh, doing the non-equity shows, they don't. And then you have to say, sorry, I can't come because I've booked this television show. So I'm just going to have to miss this performance. So sorry. You can't do that. You know? So um, I don't do I don't do much theater anymore. You mentioned um, that you were studying law. I, I saw a clip of you playing like a Judge Diaz. I, I thought that was kind of cool because you end up playing like Yaya, whose last name is also Diaz. Oh, uh, well, you know Rodriguez, Diaz, Garcia. Those are common Spanish names, common Spanish character names. Judge Diaz. That was a great role. That was on Star, and um, that was fun. Yeah, I I also saw that you were um, on Being Mary Jane. What was it like working with Gabrielle Union? Amazing, Gabrielle. What it was in every single shot, essentially. So she was in high demand. Um, so she was really kind of needed to preserve her energy in between shots all the time. But whenever we'd be in a scene, she'd come in. She'd be totally present. And making jokes. One time I told her I had to speak in Spanish in that show also. And I was telling her, this line doesn't make any sense. you know. And she said, let me see. And she looked at it. And I wasn't going to say anything. You know, it's like, I'm not going to say anything to the producers. But she looked at it. And she said, you're, you're totally right. And she went to the director. Hey, this line doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it changed <laughs> She was she was just so cool, you know. I liked her, and she's very tall and thin and pretty. I felt like a troll next to her, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> now, this this one, I'm very interested in hearing your story. Um, in speaking with some of the the cast members from from the show, mainly you know the kids and um, your on screen grandson, who is a Marvel fan. Now, you had a uh, experience there filming on Black Panther as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, sure. I worked on Black Panther. The scene did not come out in the movie. And then I waited for the DVD and it's not in the cut um, scenes. Oh, no. Oh. Scene. So I was really sad about that. Uh, they did the scene where it was after, it, w- it would have been at the end of the movie because it's when the Wakanda uh, nation decides to share the amazing 
what do you what do you call that thing um, that heals everything and they give everybody so much power. So they decide to share that with the world. So the queen, Angela Bassett, comes to this uh, South American town that had been reduced to rubble by some big giant earthquake and there were all these sick people in the clinic. And I come out and she, because, and I'm half blind and I have, and there's like the spaceship comes down. We're all like, what is that? And we, I come out and she comes and grabs my hand and leads me to the makeshift like little clinic. And she starts to heal me with the, with the stone. And um, the director, uh, Ryan was like directing Angela Bassett in the corner. It was just a beautiful thing. So I wish it had been in there uh, only because it's, it would have been a ton of money. (laughs) 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 I didn't get in there. So they decided to do the inner city shot at the very end of the movie instead. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's really awesome that you got to be, you know, well, Angela Bassett is just, um, you know, an amazing actress and Ryan Coogler's up and coming. And, uh, at this point, in my opinion, at least he hasn't had a, like a bomb, like every movie has been great, you know, Fruitvale Station, Creed, uh, Black Panther, just amazing movies he's putting out. He, yeah, he actually, he. I guess he, he, the Black Panther phenomenon is just amazing. I did see Fruitvale Station a few years ago. I remember I saw that movie. I said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is a great movie. Sometimes you see a new thing and you realize how great it is. And that was that. Was that. I said, this guy is great. This uh, Mike B. Jordan is great. Uh, the whole thing. It was it's so great to see people bursting out. Um, it's exciting. I, I love talent. I love talented people, and I, I'm so happy when they have success. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it looks like you were also in downsizing. Uh, what was it like working with uh, Matt Damon? Again, I swear to God, I'm not lying. Amazing. He, because he's such a superstar, of course, we did not chit-chat. Um, I was on the set for two days, and I worked uh, with, with him and Hong Chao, in our scene and I had to be dying, you know, and kind of crying and dying and miserable. And he was even in the shots where I, it was only like the camera was on me only. He stayed there. He acted with me, reacted with me. Everybody was such a pro. And, um, at the end, after I was all done, I went to shake his hand to say, you know, it was such a great honor to work with you. And he just gave me a big hug and said, come here, Rose. And gave me a big hug <laughs> oh, and said, how cool. You were great. You were great. You know, and Hong Chao also, she's another great talent that like a breakout, you know, star from that. And at first she was a little bit more like she didn't know who I was. Am I an extra or what was going on here? <laughs> um, but uh, then she kind of warmed up to me as well. It feels good to prove myself, you know, as a, as an able, as an actor who has ability. And then people go, oh, hey, this, this lady's pretty cool. So I, I always feel good about that. Yeah. Well, just the chance to work with Alexander Payne, who's you know quickly becoming one of my favorite directors. I, I, I would have such a thrill out of that. Yes. When I um, saw that audition, I taped it. I had to tape the audition. And I taped it lying down. And um, the, the dialogue is so hilarious. And I was doing it really serious. So the person who was taping me said, and then I kind of cried at the end. 
And then after it was done, we did it twice. And she said, are you sure that's how you want to do it? This dialogue is super ridiculous. That's where Hong Chao in the background is talking about my husband's head exploded because of his fillings and this and that. <laughs> so I said, I've seen every Alexander Payne movie. I'm telling you, this is what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very deadpan, dry humor. I, I love his stuff. Yes. And then so he, um, he helped me get to Canada. They shot in Canada. I had to expedite my passport. He got his production coordinator to help me expedite my passport. And it was first class all the way. Um, he was uh, extremely focused. He's very, um, he's very good looking. Um, <laughs> let's see. And at the end, he comes to me and goes, it's so nice to have this time together. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Super cool. Super cool. Yes. Here's uh, something, speaking of super cool, uh, not too long ago, we uh, interviewed uh, Voss Sanchez, who played the convenience store clerk. Looks like you and him were both in the same episode of MacGyver. I didn't actually work with him when I shot. I played the mother-in-law of the guest star, uh, Diogo, I think it was Diogo Rivera. He is, uh, he played my my son-in-law who gets uh, trapped in a bank with a bunch of bank robbers. Anyway, so that was like my scenario. Uh, it's all, it was all about me and Diogo and my the girl who played my daughter and MacGyver, and they came in and had dinner with us. Lucas Till, I think, the guy who plays MacGyver. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's, he's so young, and yet you can really see that he had a lot of influence. He and the director would talk about how the shot should go and stuff like that. I, I thought that was really interesting. You always learn stuff. You know, but uh, Lucas had um, a big say in, in, in how the scenes were going to go and all that. He, he and the director would talk about it. So anyway, I did not work with Voss, but Voss is, works for Frat Pack Productions, which is a taping service here in Atlanta. And um, he and I also worked in Blind Trust, which was a local indie. Oh, wow. So, oh, that's he, really he's cool. He's a nice guy. Yeah, it, it seems mm-hmm. like the, the community, like you guys kind of, uh, at least are connected in, in some way if you guys don't like directly know each other. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, that was the impression I got from Voss is that everybody at least is aware of each other and very, very supportive of one another. This is true. Here, there is not a whole lot of cutthroatness. It's certainly among actors, I can tell you who my competition is in town. Um, I've been able to break out and get some roles. I shot a uh, a short in L.A. Um, I got a guest star role in New York in uh, a show called New Amsterdam. And so I'm, I'm starting to expand out of the Atlanta area. But that's just, you know, my hustle and my manager and my agent. You know, we, we all work to get my career, you know, on a higher, you know, upper level. And getting this Cobra Kai opportunity was, was tremendous because it's a hilarious role. And, you know, she's, she's recurring on several episodes. It's, it's all good for me. But everybody's very happy for me. There isn't a whole lot of cutthroat environment in Atlanta. You mentioned that you had kind of taken a, a break from acting for several years to focus on being a mother. And first of all, I, I got to commend you for that. That's very, very admirable. Mm-hmm. But what was it that brought you back to the craft? You know, when you are an artist, I guess I hesitate to use that word because it's so fraught. But 
I've always, I could not really get away from it entirely. I, I wrote a few scripts. I wrote a short script that I did uh, in New, I lived in New Orleans as well. And I performed in the drama Rama a couple of years. My husband and I, we adapted this children's book series, Clovis Crawfish. And it was like, Clovis Crawfish is a total Louisiana Cajun thing. And we used to read all the Clovis Crawfish books to, to our kids all the time. We loved it. So we decided to do a stage play of it. And we performed it at the Louisiana Children's Museum. We got the permission from the writer, this like little old Cajun lady from, you know, Cajun country. And she was so, I can't even do the accent. The Cajun accent is very interesting. <laughs> it is, yes. Yeah. So we, I always did like, I always did stuff, you know, little stuff, because it's just hard to get it out of your system. After the kids were like 10 and 12, 12, 13, 14, like that. So I didn't have to be constantly hovering around them. Um, and I still had to go to all the softball games, all the football games, you know, all that sort of thing. I was the secretary of the booster club for the football team and, you know, all that mom stuff. Uh, but I still had not so much, like they didn't want me around all the time. So I started to do some plays here in Atlanta and I submitted my picture to uh, the agency that I was with Houghton. Um, I actually have changed agencies recently, but I had Houghton talent for a really, really long time. They did really well by me. They called me in, this was 10 years ago to audition for this movie with Jim, uh, Jim Garner. And I booked it. It was the very first thing I auditioned for. So they were really happy to have me on board. So that's how I started at that time, because at that time, you know, my kids were in high school. I was able to kind of not, how can I say this? Uh, be so tied down to the mom duties. Mm -hmm. So I was, um, doing that. There was not a whole lot of television and film back then. And only in the last four years has there been a, a whole lot of television and film coming into Atlanta. So I've been the beneficiary of being here at the right time. And, you know, so now I've booked enough local credits that I'm, I'm gathering more, maybe more notice, you know, on the coasts and that sort of thing. So I guess that explains, you know, if you guys are young eventually you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, you just do what you have to do until your kids don't want you around anymore. And then you can do your own thing again. <laughs> I can't imagine them not wanting you around. You also helped promote, you know, one of their um, podcasts you mentioned, Co-Optimistic. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yes. My son, Morgan Shemansky, he has a company called Blue Puma Studios. And one of the projects that he works on, he's a producer for a local uh, consumer advocate type show, Trust Dale. That's his day job. He also does like, he'll like write his own films and shorts and films them. And, uh, and then he has this podcast called Co-Optimistic, which involves reviewing of games and board games and movies and pop culture in general. Wow. So, so he and uh, his friends, they sit and, they're, they're like, they have the game behind them and they're playing it and they're commenting on it. And it is extremely silly. You know, I don't quite follow it that well <laughs> because I'm not into games at all, but it's, it's actually pretty entertaining and it's co-optimistic on YouTube. That's where they shoot it. So, 
Of course I'm going to promote him. I think he's hardworking, he's talented, and he's not, and he's been doing it for years and years and years and years. His first movie was with the Lego movie set, Spielberg movie oh. set on Lego. Oh. He made like a movie when he was like 12. Oh, wow. Uh, an animated film. So he's dedicated, you know, and so I'm, help, I'm happy to help him. And my daughter just graduated with a photography degree, and I'm going to have her to take my pictures and so she can get into headshot photography. Um, it's a learning process. You know, I do whatever I can because that's my number one job, actually. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome to hear. And you must be proud of all, all, all the kids. Oh, yes. And all right, Sholo Maridueña, who's the kid on Cobra Kai, he plays right. Miguel. Yeah. Again, I, I get so maternal and protective of the kids I work with. If, it's, if I feel like they're good kids, they're talented, but they're good. They're not full of themselves. Uh, I can tell you that Miguel is hilarious. He's like a typical 16-year-old. He actually works teaching Dungeons and Dragons in L.A. on the side. Really? You know? So, yes, I hope you get a chance to talk to him someday. He's a great kid, great kid, not spoiled. And he was on some sort of television show, I think Party of Five, for a long time. So he could be a spoiled kid, but Whoa. he's not. Interesting. Okay. I need yeah. to watch that show. Hmm. Yeah. I'll have to look into that. Now, speaking of Dungeons and Dragons and your son's podcast, I'm looking at your website right now, and it says that you know video games aren't your thing, but you love board games. I gotta ask, what's your favorite? Um, I think it's the Sherlock Holmes game. Uh, uh, I think it's 221B Baker Street. Okay. <laughs> when we were, <laughs> yeah, when the family was all together all the time, we would always play that game. That's an old I say, game. I think I've played that game. Uh, my friend Jake's uh, sister was really into board games, and I, I think she had that one. It's a fun game. It's, mm. it's a little bit like it's a little bit like that one about um, gosh, like the mystery where he killed the guy with the hammer and the. Oh library. yeah, yeah. I, I remember thinking it was like a more in-depth, complicated but fun version of Clue. Yes, yes. That's probably my favorite, and. I think that was and life and life. We would yes. play that as a family all the time. <laughs> yeah, I I really miss the heyday of board games just because it was one of those situations that you could break it out and you could play it as a family, you can play it as a group of friends, uh, and it didn't feel as isolated as a lot of video games do, in my opinion. Right. Right. It, it's in everybody's together. Everybody's like laughing and, and yelling and it's just engaging and you're with people. Absolutely. Um, that's that. I can't think of any others. You know, sometimes <laughs> yeah. I play some other random game. Morgan is big on board games. So mm. he like will bring some, if I have a party or something and he'll get started with a game if there's an, enough people interested, but I have other things. <laughs> I'm not that much into board games anymore right now. It's just, mm -hmm. uh, I'm pretty busy. <laughs> sure. Yes, you are. Absolutely. You got a bunch of stuff in um, kind of in post right now. Can you talk a, a little bit about your auditioning process? Did you also have to send in like a self-tape um, for your character of uh, Rosa, a.k.a. Yaya? Yes. When that came out, I was on the set of Godzilla. That's coming out next year. And it was a... Um, they actually apparently were having a little bit of difficulty finding it. A, that, a person to play that role. And they audition a lot of people, in, including in L.A. 
and they had it on the open call. There's an open call type of thing here uh, across the country called Actors Access. And you look at it sometimes. I look at it even though I get legitimate jobs through my agent, but I still look. You never know. And anyway, um, so they had this role, and I looked. I read, looked at the description, and I'm like, "This is me. I gotta play this. What? Why this? What haven't I? What haven't I been asked to read for this? What the hell's going on?" So I called my agent. I'm like, "Can you like get me into audition for this? I don't submit through the free agent through that free." you know, thing for a legitimate pro- project like this, but I will immediately take it to my agent and say, I think I should be auditioning for this. What's, go- what's going on? So they did. They, they um, eventually got me an audition. And here, the initial process is they, they, you have to tape for, aud- for auditions. Uh, in Atlanta, that's a very common thing. You tape. So I taped it. I submitted it. They gave me a note. I had to tape it again. And this time they said, she's not so, you know, super sweet, saccharine sweet. She's got a little bite to her, you know, do it a little bit with a little bit more bite. And so I did it again. And then they, I think I didn't even have to read for the the producers in person. I think they just booked me off the tape. But yeah, I finally did get to audition for that. And I was right. I love that role. It's so perfect for me. It's because I like doing comedy. I'm pretty good at comedy in honestly it really shows in your performance the timing that you displayed in with this role was just stupendous you know yeah. all the credit in the world to you thank you thank you yeah most of um you know the left out loud moments are with yaya as well mm-hmm. i mean i'm yeah. thinking to i feel like it might have been the very first time we see your character is it when she's knocking on miguel's door and he's <laughs> kind of doing you know karate in his room but you think he's uh uh drinking off <laughs> yes that's my first appearance it's a stellar a stellar first appearance <laughs> <laughs> it's so great now when you were you know cast and learning about uh, miguel kind of being like the new lead what were your thoughts in terms of like having uh the lead kid being a person of color and just being a very diverse cast I, because I'm a person of color, uh, I guess you would say, even though I'm very white in my skin, but I'm Hispanic, you know, and it's always frustrating. There are so few roles in general over the years, and they were always very, uh, for me, um, the character always had to say a Latina teller or a Latina this or and then as I got older, I played a lot of housekeepers. And I'm like, you know, housekeepers are real. My mom was a housekeeper at one time. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But I would like to, the, the people to be people, you know, who speak in a normal way and whatnot. Um, so, you know, as the diverse community of actors are watching how Hollywood is responding to the call for diversity, we're so happy and I'm sure that the audience is happy, too, because they're being reflected more. You know, the audience is comprised of all different kinds of people. So it was interesting that they went in this direction, that Cobra Kai, that the Karate Kid was pretty much all Caucasians, essentially, and that they went in this direction, that it's like uh, Miguel is, you know, a, a South American, uh, his heritage 
and he is the lead essentially after Ralph and Billy, you know, so it's exciting. It's exciting to see that happening to tell you the truth. And um, I'm glad it's happening all over the place. I mean, I'm just happy. What, what can you say? Yeah, I I think it's great. Um, you know, I'm Asian American myself, and I thought it was kind of cool to have a character like Kyler. You know, even though he's a bully, um, I just mm-hmm. thought that was kind of cool to have him play against type as well. So uh, I I really do like what the the writers did with you know the, the characters and and you know like Carmen, she easily could have done some sort of housekeeping job, but she's like a, a nurse, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, if you think about it, how absurd. You know, we're this is 2018. Of course, she's gonna probably living in Los Angeles and paying for the rent on her own. She's got to have a decent job, right? So it makes sense. And I, yeah, Kyler, what a great actor! I've never seen him before at all. This kind of launched him into the stratosphere, I'm sure, because he was so good in that role. I had the um, opportunity to speak with Josa, who who played that character, and. Uh, he was in an indie movie called um, Spa Night, uh, and I thought he did amazing there, too. And I, I believe he won an award, too, if I remember correctly, for that role. Um, so, mm. yeah, I, I think the, the casting, you know, did an amazing job casting everybody in these great roles where a lot of the actors embody these characters. You know, like you yourself uh, as as Rosa, just an amazing character. Um, can you talk about... Uh, I don't know if the writers gave you any backstory, but can you talk about your relationship with uh, Miguel as a grandmother? Um, yes, we didn't really get backstory uh, per se from from the from the directors or the producers. You know, it's like these are the characters that we've drawn, and it's the actor's job in a way. You know, you you go back and see everything that's written about this character and, and kind of decide how it is, and just having my own Puerto Rican grandmother, you just kind of know what the relationship should be. And it's just, you know, look very protective. I'll do anything for you. I'll, I'll, you want anything to eat? I'll cook it for you. I'll make everything special. You know, I'll tell you, um, grand grandparents do tend to, I can't wait to be a grandparent myself. (laughs) I hear that it's incredible. But that was my relationship with him. It was all, I'm supporting you in anything you do. You're adorable. You're my baby. You're so gorgeous. You're so smart. You know, so I, that's how I feel about him. It's, it's all like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to help him do whatever he needs to do. Now, there is the line about, I don't want to make his um, costume, uh-huh. but that's just because I'm, salty <laughs> yeah, making him a costume anyway and it, it could be that you just want him to have a, a better costume that's not made you know perhaps you know maybe just like no we'll just buy you one or something you know that could be it too yeah i didn't think about that i'm just thinking like no what because also i'm talking to my daughter like don't be volunteering me for stuff right so. like uh you're better than that you don't, we're not gonna make you one so uh but but yeah that's a pretty funny scene when he does show up with a <laughs> with a made-up costume um kind of what you said about the grandparents that's very much a thing and that really comes off with your uh, relationship with miguel so i i do see that um my six-year-old he's actually the only grandson on his mom's side of the family and that's very much how his grandparents are you know kind of how your Mm -hmm. character is with miguel um 
Now, what was it like with Sholo? You you spoke about like the things that uh, he's into. Um, how was he in terms of uh, interactions with you? Um, and you know, just Sholo uh, and Rose on a personal level, he's very respectful, and um, he's inclusive. Like he would include me in conversations that he was having with maybe some pretty girl or something. He's just he's just a nice boy. I don't know how else to explain. He's a nice boy. He was respectful to me. He was, you know, nice to me. We didn't really have a, uh, a I mean, he's 16, so we don't have a whole lot in common, but he was <laughs> explaining to me where he lived and, and what he did. He had a part-time job sometimes when he wasn't shooting or anything. He would go and teach, a, I guess, adults are starting to want to learn Dungeons and Dragons because it's a thing now. And, um, I just thought he was a very good boy, and I really appreciate that because you know, there's a lot of disrespectful people, kids, and I, I just thought his mom did a great job with him, and uh, that was just how my feeling was with him. We didn't really like go out to dinner or anything like that, but you know, it was a very good on on set relationship. Yeah, that's nice. I really love the the Diaz uh, family dynamic. Um, you know, you. You know, you're this loving grandmother, and even when you're kind of, I don't want to say like over, not overstepping, but clearly Carmen, she is not supportive of the karate, but Yaya is. And I'm glad that there's no scenes where there's a disagreement uh, between you and Carmen or anything like that. I, so I, I do like that. Now, with the very last scene, and at this point, Miguel's character, he's kind of turned a little bit, and I feel the audience is kind of like, oh, gosh, you know, he's kind of gone to the dark side. And then we see Yaya and Carmen, they're just rooting him on. What was that like for you? Like, did you, from like an audience member, I guess we're seeing that, and you're like, oh, gosh, I don't know if I'm supposed to like Miguel. But then you see Yaya and Carmen, you're like, oh, right, they're they're good people, too. Like, I, I feel there's a the audience is a little conflicted, like how we're supposed to feel in that moment. That's really a, a deep comment. Um, that's really a good thing to think about. I hadn't thought about it myself, but it's you're you're an audience member. This is what you you felt. That's pretty cool. It's true. I don't know if you personally have anyone in your own family who gets in trouble or who maybe does the wrong thing sometimes. You know what? They're loved. Those are children. Those are people with family who care about them and who want them and if he I feel like I could see that he was I think Yaya could see that he was doing some cheating stuff a little bit you know below the belt whatnot but I I honestly think she just said hey it's their world I guess it's it's okay you know if he's gonna win this thing he needs to do whatever he needs to do I'm so glad he won he's the best He's so hardworking. I'm so glad he won. So I think they turn a blind eye a little bit, but thankfully Carmen is a lot more realistic. Um, she's out in this nasty LA world and she's really trying to teach her son the right and narrow. So, so uh, the straight and narrow, you know, how to do the right thing. I think that's going to be a conflict. I haven't seen any of the scripts for season two yet, but I really think she's going to be saying, do the right thing, do the right thing, Maggie. And for him, because he's a kid who, who who rebels against his parents as usual, he might be doing that kind of rebelling and following his sensei. But there's always going to be 
I think in the end, when he grows up, he's going to be, he's going to be okay. I'm glad that you see that, that there's that ameliorating presence of his family saying, hey, he's just a kid with a good family. Yeah, people weren't able to see it, but when you were asking about, like, you know, that one family member, I, I was raising my hand, you know, because I, I did get in a lot of trouble. Um, watching this show, I see a lot of myself in the Miguel character, so I was able to kind of relate, so I, I really do love that. What was it like working with uh, Billy Zapka? Uh, because your character is actually very fond of him. Yeah, he's, uh, full disclosure, he's, Totally gorgeous. Oh my, oh my God, he's so cute. Those, those baby but, blues. Um, I, yeah, really, he's good looking for, you know, uh, I don't know, I guess he's in the mid-50s or something. He's very good looking. He's really uh, uh, humble. He's real quiet. And he really listens to the director. And he'll do, he's like a total pro. He'll do something 17 times. Exactly right. Exactly right. Exactly right. He's really a good actor. Um, so I didn't, again, I don't have too much, uh, personal relationship with him. I just worked with him, but I was very, you know, like in awe of his professionalism, his, uh, I kind of learned a little bit watching him to tell you the truth. And I always learn a little bit from the people I'm working with. It's always a learning process because I've always had like day player roles and supporting roles. So unless you are supporting some, a film in some way, you know, you have so much responsibility. You're always on set. You're always in all the shots, that sort of thing. That's how you get the real, real, really good experience of, of what it takes. So people in my position are always learning and watching. He's just a total pro. He's a nice guy. Um, he's kind of quiet and humble. So that's, that's all I, I can say about him. I would like to see in season two a moment where Yaya just might have smoked a little bit too much of that medicinal marijuana and slaps uh, Sensei Lawrence on the on the backside. You know, I'd like to see a little something like that. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so, because I think she wants him to hook up with her daughter. Oh, good point. Good That's point. what I think. Fair enough. <laughs> yes. Let's be real here. This is like a beautiful thing happening. I'm like, oh my God, this has got to happen. This has got to happen. Now, speaking of her daughter, uh, Vanessa Rubio had nothing but the warmest, kindest things to say about the time that she spent with you. And I was just kind of wondering what it was like from your point of view uh, as far as your time together. You know, when you are um, not that well known and you're in this uh, show spending lots of hours on lots of days with super famous, you know, Ralph Macho, super famous and... Billy Zabka is just like a, a, an icon. Um, Sholo Mariduena is, you know, I guess he's well-known in his circles because he was a regular on a television show for many years. So they have a lot of, um, they're real comfortable in that kind of, you know, leading type position. So the supporting actors, they kind of hang out together and and watch and learn. And it's a constant, you know, kind of watch and learn type of thing all the time, all the time, because there's always things to learn and, you know, a set etiquette and whatnot. So Vanessa and I hung out together all the time. She lives in New York and she was telling me about where she was like between apartments. And I told her my daughter was thinking about moving to New York and she's giving me advice about where good places to live and things like that. And um, she's, she was in a Buick commercial. 
she had to leave on uh, last day of shooting. It was like we had to hurry up and shoot all her scenes because there was a snowstorm in Atlanta and she had to go and do this commercial in L.A. And that was the Buick commercial, which I'm sure you've seen because it was everywhere for a while. (laughs) Yes, yes. Like, thank God, Vanessa, that was awesome. Um, I'm real happy for her. She's kind of like my other daughter now. I That's how I feel about her. Uh, I just like her. She's a great girl. Yeah, uh, when she was talking about you, she said that uh, she just looked at you and she's like, yeah, I could totally see her as my mom. <laughs> she did. Yes, yes. That was the relationship we had, I think. That's awesome. That is so cool. Now, with Yaya's character being such a comedic relief, um, I feel, and she has a lot of great lines, were, was there a, a moment that they had you do like multiple takes, trying different lines just to see what was the best one? Um, yeah, there was, first they would shoot the scene the way that I interpreted it. And then the director would, would maybe make it say, why don't you try this? And then a different direction on it. And then they'd shoot that a few times. Um, the whole, the whole medical marijuana thing, we talked about all kinds of ways to say it, to tell you the truth. That was pretty funny. And, um, and also because there's different vernacular for marijuana there's puerto rican mexican ecuadorian venezuelan you know we're asking the extras on the set how would you say it? how would you say it oh wow how would you say joint you know yeah <laughs> you know so it was a little bit of a democratic conversation about that it was a very silly line i love it i love it because all of a sudden oh my god yeah yeah you're so hilarious <laughs> I, I think that moment for me when when she says that i go you know what why am i not surprised <laughs> just you know, not to say that like exactly. she looks like somebody that was smoking joint, but I go, you know what? I I can see that. Of course, yeah, yeah, I would smoke. You know, I bet she was a leftist back in Ecuador. You know, <laughs> when she was young, totally sure. Um, so it, it's 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 like any show, not just this show. Any show, you come in as an actor with your interpretation and you do it. And since I have, you know, I'm reasonably competent. You know, they'll like, it's a good, it's a good take. It's a good interpretation. We do it. Sometimes they'll say, why don't you try this? And then we try it this other way. And then they look at it in post and decide which is the best way. That's generally how it works. What about the uh, the moment when you guys are having, uh, I'm not sure if it was lunch or dinner, but, um, you know, the, the whole masturbation joke comes back again and you say, you don't want to know. Was that pretty much the, the way it was written on page or was there different, different takes of that as well? Um, no, it was. That was the script. The script said that. You don't want to know. And I pretty much nailed it. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> that is what it is. It yeah. is what it is. Right? Pretty straightforward line. Yeah. Yeah. Now, with your character speaking, actually, I think mainly Spanish. I don't know if you had any dialogue in English at all, but was there any um, difficulty, like, finding, like, improving with, like, the writers or anything like that? Because do they speak Spanish? Is there a Spanish script doctor or anything like that to help them work your lines? No, the producers write the scripts. And um, they wrote in English what they wanted it to say. And then sometimes the script would have the Spanish words and sometimes it wouldn't. And sometimes what was written sounded like it came out of... um, you know, the Spanish-English dictionary online. <laughs> I'd be like, uh, I wouldn't say it this way. I would say it this way. And then they're like, oh, okay. And then uh, Shola's mother sometimes 
I would go to her and say, how would you say this? And because I am bilingual and, but I'm definitely from here. Like I'm American. Uh, I do play a lot of Spanish characters. My, the way I look at it is my mom and I had, and, uh, and the kids had this kind of relationship, which is she would talk in Spanish and we would talk in English. That's so common. So common. So Yaya knows English, of course. And it's forced, if she had to go to the store, she'd of course have to speak in English. But at the house, I mean, she probably is not that good at it. And I've discovered a lot of people, Spanish people here um, who come from other countries. They're kind of very insular and they, they stay speaking Spanish all the time. But they live here. Yaya's not a dummy. She, of course, understands English perfectly. Right. Um, so that's the relationship we have in that respect. The Spanish dialogue, sometimes I would say to the director, I think um, if it was written in, in Spanish in the script, I would say, this is, I don't know about this. And I talked to Shola's mother and we thought maybe this would be better. And the director would say, okay, it sounds good to me. You know, they were, <laughs> they were good with that. <laughs> now, uh, w- what would you like to see happen with your character in season two? Dude, I had not thought about that. Hmm. I would like to, I'd like to speak a little bit of English. That would be nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> and honestly, I, I feel like her role is to support her, her daughter and her grandson. She's not out there working. She doesn't need to be out in the world working a job. She probably, you know, might make tamales and sell them or something like that. I bet she does something like that. But I don't see a different trajectory for her. I see her role as supportive for her family. And it's, I don't know, I guess maybe the producers might have a different ideas, which would be kind of fun and exciting. I'll just have to see. But I don't really see anything different. I really do love the idea of Yaya trying to speak some English. And I feel like this might be a trope, but it could be a thing where like Yaya just misuses a word, you know, and then you have that lost in translation, you know, comedy going mm-hmm. on there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be amazing. I was almost thinking it'd be almost like a, a silent Bob moment where <laughs> she just says, ex- the only thing she says is exactly what needs to be said at that moment. Oh, Perfect. Okay, yeah, I love that. That makes total sense, too. Because she's also sort of like the chorus, the Greek chorus in the background sometimes. Mm-hmm. You, you know what, uh, Tom, that's that's a great idea. I'm, I'm thinking back to, like, you know, Dave Chappelle, his show, where he did Lil John, and Lil John has his catchphrases that he'd always yell out in, in the rap songs. But then when asked, mm-hmm. you know, an actual question, he will speak like, you know, he'd been educated at Harvard or something like that. So <laughs> that'd right, be kind of right. funny, too. Like, th- this entire time she's been speaking Spanish and everyone's a little like, oh, she doesn't understand English. But then when she speaks it, you're you're like, oh, my God, she's an educated English-speaking person. Uh, uh, might be kind of funny. I don't <laughs> see that, actually. <laughs> I, I see wisdom more than anything. There you go. Wisdom in sage advice. I like that. Yes, I think she's been around. Yaya's been around. She, she, I think she's, um, she's definitely had a life and a history. You know, I don't know how, if she's Harvard English, but, no, no. <laughs> but I, and obviously she's she knows English. They're, they're talking and she's like responding. I don't know about that in Spanish. Right. 
Or at least the medicinal marijuana makes her speak that way, perhaps. <laughs> that must be some good stuff. Ah, yes. Yes, all that wisdom. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Man, I, I'm terrible at, personally at marijuana. I can't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to act that part. Yeah. Um, earlier, you, you kind of you know mentioned Godzilla. You, you were filming that and New Amsterdam. Um, could you talk a little about a little bit about those projects and what else uh, listeners can expect to see you in in the near future? Let's see. I have a few things in post production right now. I'm going to be on an episode of The Gifted in September. Oh wow! But it's a it's a really small role though. Um, and then I I'm going to be in a movie called Fonzo, which is about uh, Al Capone oh, and wow. okay. Tom Hardy. Yeah, oh, I was going to say, that's the one with Tom Hardy. Yeah, excellent. Yes, and I play his mother. I play Alphonse uh, Capone's mother. I oh, had wow. to only speak in Italian. I had to only speak in Italian in that movie. It was it was awesome. And I was like, kind of like the funniest person on the set because it was kind of a deep uh, film noir type of movie. But but they had this mom, um, they called her Nana, she was like always like running around yelling in Italian. She was pretty funny. It was like a, a tremendous role. I'm so excited about that. I don't know when that's coming out. I mean, talk about another handsome man there. What was it like working with Tom Hardy? He is such a superstar. Of course, he was always kind of with his with his uh, assistant and with the director all the time and the producers generally. I think he might have been one of the producers, but from time to time he'd be of course, on the set, and we're all standing around waiting for the lighting to be corrected, and he was making jokes all the time. And with Linda Cardellini, plays his wife, his wife. and um, he was, like, just uh, always making jokes. So he would be standing there with her going, and she'd just be laughing her head off. One time, he and Gino, uh, who plays his bodyguard, and Al, who plays his brother, and Linda, they were talking about something, and I asked the question, and he was just like, come here, come here, come here. You know, we're talking about such and such. So he's, like, super inclusive, you know, when he's not being <laughs> all a superstar in his room, um, but very funny. And he kind of stayed with his Brooklyn accent as much as possible so that he wouldn't lose it. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I don't know what else to say about him. He's just a nice guy, really nice guy. Um, and very talented and, and he just, and he loves to bury himself in these roles where he's like, un, like identifiable practically. It's very strange. So that's going to be coming out soon. I hope Josh Trank is the director of that. Then Godzilla is coming out in the spring of 2019. I had a lot of weeks of work on that. Um, I work with O'Shea Jackson Jr. A lot. He is Ice Cube's son. Yeah. Um, he saves me in this one scene. He had to pick me up. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> I, I remember when he came out with uh, Street Out of Compton, they were calling him Obey Jackson instead of O'Shea. You know, Obey? O, o, like Bay, B A E. That's that's a slang, you know, the kids oh. use. For, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it was like Obey Jackson. Am I right? Because <laughs> they were saying that he was really handsome. So. Um, yeah, yeah, I thought he was uh, very good in Straight Outta Compton playing his father. I mean, he was around his father his entire life, so. Yeah, well, he was talking to me about, by the way, speaking of Obey, okay, it's, I, I texted to uh, my daughter, 
I said, oh, I'm working with Usher Jackson. And she, she texted me back. Oh, he's cute. <laughs> I was like, oh, is he? Okay, he's another one. It's like, okay. I just, these young people, it's just not, I don't really see it necessarily. It's like, oh, he's a handsome boy, of course. But he was funny. He was always making jokes, by the way. Always making, sometimes these guys, some people are more quiet. Some people are always making jokes. Uh, O'Shea is like that. And kept it light, kept it entertaining on these long shoots and the green screen and the really long days. Uh, he's a great guy. And he was telling me that he actually had to audition to play his father. Right. Like, like a few times. He goes, oh, this is not a dunk, you know, a slam dunk at all. I had to audition for it more than once. And they had to think about it. And my dad was like, if you're going to do this, you got to do this serious. I'm telling you. So he's a nice kid, too. Let me tell you, meeting these like Hollywood archetypes, you're going, oh, they're just people like me. They really are. Uh, you mentioned Josh Trank. What was it like working with him as a director? He was great. He's like high energy and super focused and also uh, funny, kept it light because the Al Capone movie is a little bit dark. It's a dark story. So he kind of was always like um, really approachable, really making jokes. He gave me a big hug at the end and like so happy that I was, you were so authentic. Thank you so much. You know, um, he's, he's an intense guy, but very focused and kept it light on set. So everybody was always comfortable. It comes from the top. Right. If the top is a little bit uptight and everybody's all freaked out about whatever, you know, serious, important things going on up in the stratosphere, you know, where there are like million, multi-million dollar things going on that you don't know anything about. So sometimes it comes down. It's a very uptight set. It was not at all. Him and Dutch, the first AD, kept it happy. People were in good mood all the time. He's a great guy. Um, and I wanted to talk about New Amsterdam because yes. that's coming out on September 25th. And I have a really good role in there. I will tell you that when I first come out, they think I'm dead because I'm in rigor mortis. So, but then I, anyway, <laughs> it's a really great role. Now, for those that don't know, what is that show about? It's a brand new show. It's the pilot on September 25th. I think it's NBC. I'm not 100% sure. I should know this, but um, <laughs> it comes on right after This Is Us. And uh, Ryan Eggold plays a new um, head surgeon on the staff, and he's kind of shaking things up. Um, so it's a hospital show, but Jacko Sims plays a doctor. He has a big Twitter presence. He's always, and he was on the last ship. So there, there's some uh, identifiable people in the show. It's really great stories. The first episode, I, uh, I'm not a regular, uh, but I'm, I'm one of the stories on the first episode. There's like the one story about the Haitian kid with eight. It's my story. And then there's like another story. So those three stories kind of drive the main story of the new doctor who's in charge, who's shaking things up and shaking up the establishment. So that, that's what it's about. And that concludes our interview with Rose. I just want to say, uh, well, first of all, I gotta say, uh, I'm sorry because, uh, there was a lot of background noise in, on my end. So I had to kind of, uh, mute my microphone. And at one point I'm kind of feeding Peter some lines over, uh, text messaging. Uh, 
I, I do apologize to Rose. I apologize to the listeners as well. But I just want to say thank you so much for uh, taking the time to sit down and chat with us. Yeah, she was just, you know, uh, I can't thank her enough for coming on, giving her insights and, and stuff like that. Uh, so we definitely hope to see her a lot more, uh, some interactions in, in season two, kind of as we discussed. Um, but, you know, to kind of throw it out, we have some breaking news. If you guys haven't heard yes. yet already, you know, we are starting our own feed uh, for the Cobra Kai coverage. Now, if you already subscribed to TV My Brain. Yep, nothing's going to change as nothing's far as that's concerned. Yeah, episode reviews, they're also going to be there. But if you are a hardcore fan of Cobra Kai and you want the fix, if this is a drug for you, we have the remedy. We're going to be starting our own feed called Cobra Kai Companion, Companion with a K, and we're going to be putting up content, uh, or bonus contents, rather. Uh, you know, we're going to do some... I don't want to tease them because I don't want people to kind of steal our idea while we're kind of teasing this new feed. But basically, we're going to do games. We're going to do movie reviews where the cast members have been in, stuff like that. So anything Cobra Kai related, we're going to try to create these bonus contents for you. So that way, you're getting that constant fix. So uh, we don't have a date of launch yet. But if you follow us on Instagram or Twitter, those are still going to be the same. Instagram at Cobra Kai Podcast. Twitter at Cobra Kai Pod. So just you know, if you join the group, we're going to keep everybody updated. Okay. Um, the group is www. Cobra Kai period TV AMB group. You spell out the words period. And if you follow or join the group, you'll get updates in real time. So we got a logo going. Um, we're we're going to be starting the feed. But again, you know, if you join the group, you'll find out exactly when we'll launch. And, you know, we'll share a link that you can go to. Uh, otherwise, you would just have to keep searching Cobra Kai Companion for the next few weeks, I, I suppose. And uh, I think that's going to pretty much wrap it up this week. If you want to uh, reach out to me, you can uh, find me on Twitter at The Drunken Dork. You can find me on Facebook at our uh, show page called Jake and Tom Conquer the Group, and you can listen to me every week on my show, Jake and Tom Conquer the World. Uh, Peter, what about you? And for me, uh, you can find me at Paul Stalgic on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, I do host a movie review podcast. Tom has joined me for the Credit Kid movies. Um, I've done some uh, new releases, but mostly uh, older stuff too, stuff from the 80s and 90s, early 2000s, stuff like that. So uh, if you can think of it, I may have done it over 200 <laughs> episodes at this point. So uh, thank you guys for your continued support, and we'll see you guys next time. See ya. Try to be best, cause you're only a man And a man's got to learn to take it Try to believe, though the going gets rough That you gotta hang tough to make it History repeats itself Try and you succeed Never doubt that you're the one And you can have your dream You're the best around Nothing's gonna ever keep you down You're the best around Nothing's gonna Thank you for listening to the Court and Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Court and Parts shows, visit courtemparts.com.